my name is John Smith. Welcome to Kingdom Real. And I'm really excited about my guest today, Ralph Howe. We've been friends for over 40 years. It something? is so great to have you here. Thanks. That's wonderful to be here and uh, just to hang out and talk with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So why don't you fill us in a little bit about your family of origin yep. and what that was like. I grew up on Long Island uh, in Sayville where you were uh, pastoring. Actually, I was in middle school. Uh, church was important to my mom, not to my dad. Okay. So my mom brought my sister and I to church. And uh, we, we grew up in a home where there was love and, and all those things. I was very engaged in sports, but my parents did get divorced. There was alcohol in the family, alcoholism. And so there was dysfunction, and we kind of grew up with some of that. Uh, but in the midst of it, uh, we were attending church, and you came in as the new uh, associate, associate pastor yep. and served as the student pastor. And I believe I was the first in the first class of, I think you call them pastor's classes, yes. where you led us through Bible studies. I did. And at the end of that, you asked me if I wanted to invite Jesus to be my Savior. Yes. So 40 years ago, or about 40 years ago, you prayed with me to receive Jesus. Yes. And uh, so I've been so grateful that we've been able to stay in touch through all these years. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. I'll never forget that. Yeah. I tell that story from time to time. Yeah. That's, that's great. So if you were to think back of um, growing up in your family. Yeah. A couple of favorite memories. Yeah. What, what stands out for you? Yeah. I have a lot of good memories uh, as a kid in my family with all some of the other stuff that happened. Uh, one thing was I grew up in a wonderful town and I uh, had a lot of friends. Uh, time with friends was fun. It was outside. Mm -hmm. It was games. It was sports. Yeah. But I probably ultimately would have to center my answer on that around sports. Okay. Um, my dad was a good athlete. Both my parents were actually phys ed teachers. Wow. And so I grew up around sports. Fortunately, I loved it. Mm -hmm. And something I excelled in was golf. And my dad was a good golfer. So my favorite memories with my dad were on the golf course. Wow. And I was so grateful. He always included me. Even when I was a little kid, he always would bring me to the range mm. with him. He'd bring me to the course to play with his adult friends. And so uh, I had amazing quality time with my dad on the golf course. That's and uh, wonderful memories. That's great. Yeah. Well, that's it's. I knew that was part of your story, and as I think back on the early years with you, yeah. I loved the time we spent together in the pastor's class. We had 10 weeks together, and yeah. um, you and Michael were asking great questions. We were digging in the Word together and just right. having fun with it. But I also remember a time when you and I played golf together. Yes, we did. And I have some great memories of that, and I bet you do too. I do. And so, so golf was something I went off to college down to Florida and played golf in college and then I played professionally for nine years and I used to call myself the leading money spender on tour you know I, <laughs> I didn't make it as a profession but I did get to play and had some wonderful experiences so one of the highlights was coming off the pro tour connecting with you and saying mm -hmm. let's go play a round of golf yeah and I don't know how well you remember it but we were on the sixth hole a par five and I had some other friends I said hey this is my pastor i'm gonna have him join us they're good players and yep. you're a good athlete you're a decent golfer and you were in the sand trap right by the green mm -hmm. so the pin was just about 25 feet from you yep. and you took this big full swing and you know the idea is you hit the sand behind the ball you that's hit, what i was trying to do <laughs> yeah well you didn't do it because you hit the ball clean mm -hmm. and i mean it took off like a rocket like it was going to go 120 yards <laughs> and it flew over the green and it smashed into the trees behind the green the big giant trees and it rattled around about six or eight branches, and we were all just mesmerized watching. <laughs> and it dropped down 
to where the tree was and the hill was pointed back to the green and it kicked down the hill and rolled about 10 feet from the hole. <laughs> and we all looked over at you and you're standing there like this and you just looked at us and you said, it's all in the wrist. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so that was one of, that's one of my more favorite golf memories. Yes. Oh man, that's yeah. great. Um, anytime you want to laugh, we'll go out again and uh, I'm sure I'll get to laugh again. I'm sure so, you will. Oh man, that's good. So, well, um, so you're you're a professional golfer for a while. You yeah. traveled a bunch of countries, I think. I did twenty one countries. Twenty one yeah. countries. Yep. Oh, that's great. Yep. So, um, what happens after you come off the professional tour? What goes on next in your life? So you know, when I reached the age of twenty four, I was fourteen years old when you led me to that decision. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I know it was very genuine. And Jesus yep. became savior of my life. He was yeah. my savior. Okay. But I didn't realize until twenty four what it made meant to make him Lord. So as I got out of college and started my professional career, I recommitted my life to Jesus. And it was at that point that I really became more the idea of Lord of my life. Yeah, so right. I spent nine years playing professional golf, but also passionately pursuing the relationship with Christ through Bible study and fellowship with other mm. believers. And so as I transitioned out of professional golf, I got married. Uh, my wife and I have four kids and all that's wonderful. And, uh, but I, I stepped into vocational ministry. So okay. I left pro golf and I got involved with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I did that for about six and a half years mm. before stepping into, you know, local church ministry. Yeah. 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 What was the highlight of Fellowship of Christian Athletes? What, anything in there that sticks out in your mind? Yeah, it was a fantastic ministry. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm wired evangelistically. I love right. to see people who are curious and asking questions, get their questions answered in a way where they come to faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. That's a wonderful thing for me. And that's what FCA is all about. Right. So we would do a lot of different things, but we would uh, run junior golf camps in the summer. Hmm. Uh, really nice places, about 20 different camps. So going to those camps and getting middle school and high school golfers connected. And we would have PGA Tour pros, like famous pros, come to the camps. Wow. So getting to connect the kids with their golf heroes mm -hmm. and then having the golf heroes talk about what Jesus means to them, that, that was probably the highlight. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So then from there, you transitioned into pastoral ministry? I did. Ended up in a local church in Orlando and was there for six years. It was a good experience. I learned a lot under a good leader. Mm -hmm. And then uh, my wife and I have four kids. Two are adopted from China. And in 2007, we adopted our final, our fourth child, okay. second one from China, and we felt God call us to China. Wow. So without telling the long story, which is fun, it's a God story, but we went. We had our four kids, they were two, three, four, and six. Wow. And we packed 28 bags, and we moved to China. And for four years, we lived in Beijing, China. I stepped out of vocational ministry, and I went to China to teach golf. So I taught golf in Beijing. Uh, I had government officials who were my students. I had very wealthy businessmen, uh, you know, who were students. And it was a wonderful, vibrant, uh, amazing, difficult, challenging, unforgettable experience. Wow. So what was it like you know, moving to China, trying to make your way, get the accustomed to the culture and the language? What, right. what did God teach you in that time? So it was difficult every day from the perspective of it took so much energy to leave the house to face such a different culture. Mm. Uh, but it was vibrant and amazing and exciting. Uh, something very tangible that I believe living there taught me, that God taught me through the culture was patience and waiting. Because we had to wait for things that you just don't wait for in America. And we had to, we had to accept the fact that we just didn't understand what was going on, but in time we would figure it out. 
And so I definitely learned patience at a whole new level, which is a really important thing to learn. Um, and you know, the, the, the experience was so amazing that everything was so new and so different. Um, but it worked. One of the things that missionaries get taught when you go overseas is don't criticize the culture that you're going to live in because you're the, you're the outsider. It works for them and you have to learn how to adjust to their culture. And I was so glad I got that piece of advice because they were right. Oh, that's great advice. Yeah. So, great so that advice. was really good. And you know, pe people ask me, what was your favorite part about living in China? And, and my, my absolute honest answer and far away, number one answer, my favorite thing about living in China was experiencing God. That was it. Because what we felt like was we had read stories in the Bible, like Abraham and Sarah going off to the promised land. And it's just, it's black and white letters on a white page, you know, mm -hmm. But when we went, we felt like the whole thing just burst into living color because we were living it. Uh, I didn't have a car. I was riding my bicycle eight miles to work through the Beijing city streets, through a forest to get to my golf course where I was teaching. And uh, it was just incredible to pray every day that students would show up, that I could provide for my family. Mm. And God was so far beyond faithful. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Great. So you, you finish up in China, you yeah. come back, then yeah. what happens? So we came back to uh, serve at a church in Orlando, okay. and uh, it was good timing to come back. We missed China tremendously, but it was time to come back. And I was in another wonderful situation with a great leader, under a great leader at a vibrant, Bible-centered, spirit-filled church. And so I had a great about three and a half years there. Mm. And uh, I wasn't looking to make a change, but I was asked if I'd be interested in interviewing for a senior pastor position at another church in town. Okay. I said no. Three months later, they came back, asked me again. So we obviously ended up engaging that conversation, and I accepted that position. Mm -hmm. So came back from China, three and a half years, had a fantastic experience, and then walked into an incredibly difficult experience. Wow. And uh, that really, I've just come out of that maybe 13, 14 months ago. Okay. But it was four years that was, uh, it was, I learned a bunch, and it was difficult. So that would qualify as one of your deepest, darkest, most painful journeys, I'm imagining. Yeah, I can't imagine a worse one than I've been through. Wow. It was a difficult uh, four years. Yeah. So without getting into the details of that, you're not the only pastor who's been through some really tough things. Right. But often one of the, one of the questions I like to ask is, how did God show up? Yeah. What did you learn? And what do you think God wants you to do with what you learned? Right. Um, God's an amazing teacher. And when the Bible says that his ways are not our ways, those aren't just words on a page. It's real. Mm. And so I have accepted that because so many things happen that would not, I would not have written the story that way. Right. And, um, and yet God's ways are not our ways. So what uh, one of my mentors in my life said, and, and, and I always keep it close to my heart, is, uh, God's process for discipleship is life. Like life is our discipleship program. Hmm. And so God taught me things in the four years of this difficult uh, ministry environment that I don't know I could have learned in 10 years in, in a school or a seminary. Wow. Um, uh, it was hard. It was difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, but God was very faithful in the midst of it. Uh, ultimately, I was fired and um, went through some very difficult, very public uh, things that were said about me. Um, but in the midst of that, God was faithful every day. 
And, uh, you know, my wife works at Disney and coming into COVID, many Disney uh, cast members, employees, cast members, if you're from Orlando, you have to call them cast members. <laughs> cast members. Yeah. They uh, were furloughed. So she was furloughed. Mm. So she wasn't paid for a year because of COVID. The day that she went back for her first day of work was the day that I was fired. So we just saw that as God's bit of encouragement mm. saying, hey, hang in there. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to be fired, to be 24 years in vocational ministry and, uh, you know, to have worked with integrity and to have worked hard and not perfectly, but with a good heart and to have so many uh, friends and supporters and previous co-workers that I'm very good friends with to this day and to come into an environment like that and be fired and treated very poorly publicly. Uh, that was very hard to take. Very hard. And I would imagine not only hard for you, yeah. but your wife and four kids as well. It was. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was. Yep. So we've spent uh, about 14 months now. We've worked through so much of it. So now the clarity is coming. Mm-hmm. And what's wonderful is we were able to step into another ministry right away. And it's going wonderful. And God mm-hmm. has been so faithful in that. So we are the great majority of our energy is being poured into something very positive. And, uh, you know, again, now 14 months removed is different than three months after it happened. I was still looking back a lot, Uh wasn't sleeping, was trying to work through it. But we've learned so much and Uh uh, God's been faithful every day. He's been more than faithful every day. And um, the way I look at it is God has made a further investment in me. Mm. And I'm so grateful that he has. Um, So it has been a real honor for me the last day and a half. Yeah. Just to be talking and sharing and processing that with you, it's, it's been a very special experience for me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And, and, I've, and I've gleaned a lot from our conversation. But, you know, just to be a little bit specific for people who are listening, you know, um, spiritual warfare is real. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have to be vigilant yes. in uh, seeing what Scripture has to say about division versus unity. Uh, about how to deal with people in a church who are out of line in order to protect the unity of the church. Mm-hmm. Those words aren't just there to fill pages. They're actually right. very important instructions for the health and life of a church. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of has crystallized for me. Wow. I've learned a lot about myself. Uh, I've seen where I need to grow as a leader mm-hmm. and be more proactive and all those kind of things. So yeah. God's given me a good list of things I've learned and things I need to improve. Mm-hmm. But I, will, I can honestly say this now. It's not just kind of Christianese. I can say it. I'm grateful for what I went through because coming out the other side, I believe uh, God has grown me. Yes. And, and, and you asked about my family. My family's okay. They've all processed it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been sure to do some counseling. We've done some family counseling. Good. And uh, we're okay by the grace of God. We're doing fine. Mm-hmm. But it was difficult. It was a wound, and it's a scar that will always be there. Right. Um, but uh, when I read the Bible, that's what I see. It's all through it. I see Joseph. I see David. I see Paul. I, yeah. God disciples us through what we experience, and he experiences us. He, he develops us through times in the wilderness. It's a major concept in Scripture. It is. It is. And he doesn't waste any of those experiences. Right. Everything you went through, right. he's going to be using in your current and future ministry as well. That's right. So, cool. That's right. Yep. Well, I know you've spent some time in Israel. Yeah. And anything you'd like to share with us about some of the things you've learned by kind of walking where Jesus walked and yeah. seeing where the Bible 
comes to life. Yep. Talk to us a little bit about yep. that. So I've been to Israel five times in the last seven years. I've Now my wife and I have started leading trips. It's wonderful. We just came back two weeks ago and had a great trip. And um, there's so many places in Israel that you'd go, well, how could you pick your favorite? But for me to answer your question, let mm-hmm. me put it this way. The most impactful place geographically to me in Israel is the desert. And when you get to Israel and you look at the original promised land that God promised to Abraham, 70% of that promised land is desert. Hmm. Now we think promised land, we think milk and honey, we think it's all just flourishing and flowers. 70% of the promised land is wilderness. And I believe there's a very important lesson for us there. When when Israel left Egypt, we we have this phrase where Israel wandered in the wilderness, Uh but they really didn't wander there. God led them there. And the reason God led them there was because he wanted them there. And the reality for your life and my life as we follow Jesus, we will have a desert or a wilderness experience or experiences. And somebody may push back and say, no, I don't believe God does that. Well, he took Israel to the wilderness for a purpose in order to make them his people. Because it was in the desert that they got their mission. It was in the desert that they learned that if God was all you had, God was all you need. And so they became his people in the desert. And so John the Baptist was in the wilderness. Jesus was led by the Spirit in order to be tempted in the wilderness. The Apostle Paul spent a lot of time in the wilderness. So God brings us to the wilderness not to make us weak, but to make us strong. But our strength has to be in who he is, mm-hmm. not in who we are. And so I'm starting to preach. I know this isn't about preaching. But, no, you're, you're but, blessing me. But I lived this through a difficult season and I was able to frame it up because uh, as I walked through it, I saw the relevance of scripture. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. May I mention one of my favorite places there? Yes. Let's see what your experience is. Yeah. How about En Gedi? Unbelievable. En Gedi is amazing. So En Gedi's in the middle of the Judean wilderness uh-huh. and it's this oasis with waterfalls and springs and life and deer and trees. It's beautiful. And it's an oasis in the wilderness. It is. One of the interesting things about it is the water comes from the rainwater that falls in Bethlehem about 20 miles away, and it moves through the limestone. And I'm not a geologist, but I studied it because I taught there. And what they say is the water moves about two inches a year through the limestone. So the water that's falling in En Gedi, if you go there today, it fell hundreds of years ago, and it's just getting there. And so the lesson that you wow. learn in En Gedi is the provision of water that's there today. God had already prepared it long in advance. Wow. So when you're going through a wilderness, I'm going through a wilderness, God is going to give us moments of En Gedi. Mm-hmm. He's going to bring us that encouragement, that next step, that next job. Wow. And we need to realize that as you're heading into a wilderness experience, God has already brought the rain that's going to provide the En Gedi for you in the midst of your wilderness. So you picked the right wow, one to ask me that's about. good. Yeah. That's good. So did you spend any time floating in the Dead Sea? Of course. Oh, yes. what was that like for you? Well, I had a few nicks and cuts on my legs, so it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know, it stings if you have any little that's cuts. Right. But that's it's right. an amazing, uh, fun experience for sure. Is, yeah. So did you baptize people in the Jordan River? We did. Oh, tell and me about did. that. That was my most impactful moment of the trip we just did. We went to a remote place to the Jordan. We didn't go to places where you Good. set it up. Okay. So we were actually north. We didn't go, we went where Jesus was baptized, but we didn't do the baptisms there for some reasons. But we went north of the Sea of Galilee. Oh, wow. And uh, we found a spot. We took a half mile hike and it was a difficult hike up and down from rocks. 
we found the most spectacular spot in the Jordan. It was very wide, was deep enough to comfortably baptize. And there was, the water was moving fast enough and there were rocks, there were rapids. You oh, know, wow. little yeah. mini, mini yeah, rapids, but sure. you could see the power of the water. Yeah. And so it was wonderful. So we baptized each person, then we told them to look at the water and the rapids, and we told them the Jordan River, in one level, is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And mm. the Holy Spirit, the power that you see in this river is the power that lives in you and that flows through you. So it was a wonderful. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So as you look at your life, yeah. what is one thing that really makes you come alive? Mm-hmm. I don't want to give like some hyper-spiritual answer, but um, here's, the, here's the truth about me. Jesus changed my life. Mm. And when I see people's lives transformed through coming to faith in Jesus, that's the best thing. That's the best thing. Uh, since you asked, I'll try to tell you quickly, but the most impactful place in Israel is the spot where Jesus cast the demons out of the demoniac and they went into the pig and went over the cliff. So they have that spot marked. We pretty much know where that happened. Okay. And uh, so I always take the group there and I stop there and I tell my testimony from a broken home. I got arrested as a high school kid. I did heavy drinking in college. I was very lost. I had come to faith in Jesus at 14, mm-hmm. but I didn't understand what it meant to be Lord. My parents got the divorce. I, you know, There was dysfunction and I carried it on into my life. But when I really understood who Jesus was mm-hmm. at that next level, my life transformed. And I'm married 24 years to the most godly, amazing Christian woman with four spectacular kids. They're not totally perfect, but they're reasonably close. (laughs) And um, no sociologist would tell you that's how my life should have turned out Mm. based on my upbringing. The only reason that I can have a healthy marriage and a beautiful family and stable finances and joy and hope is because of Jesus. It's the only reason. And that really hit home for me at 24. So with the demoniac, the scripture says he cast a demon out and he said the people came and he was sitting clothed and in his right mind. And I remember reading that shortly after I recommitted my life to Jesus and it just hit me, that's me. Because of Jesus, I'm clothed and I'm in my right mind. Wow. So, uh, so my favorite thing to see is that genuine transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a great, great story. Yeah. And um, so... Well, we have a, a few minutes left, Yeah, about maybe five, five minutes. You're a person who has learned about hope. Yep. Some of it the hard way. Yep. Talk to us about a message of hope. What, yep. what do you have to say to people that maybe today is just a day they feel they have no hope? Right. Nowhere to turn, know what to do. Right. What would you say? I've been there would be the first thing I would say was very very lost in my high school years I don't think I felt lost I was engaged in things by college I really felt lost with the drinking a little out of control going into golf and not being too successful early 20s as a career um, I felt pretty hopeless I was pretty lost Um, so first thing I would say is I've been there so Mm. I don't want to say anything that feels like lighthearted if somebody's going through hope, sure. oh, hey, just get over it. I, no, I've been through it. I understand depression. I spent three weeks on my couch in depression, started to go see a Christian counselor. So I've mm. done all that in my life. God's done that in me. Okay. So the question's not a, a light question. It's mm-hmm. a heavy question. Yeah. Now, as I walk through all that and as I walk with Jesus, one thing I would say is when you just come to faith in Jesus and give your life to Jesus, 
it is the most, it's the greatest adventure to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And with adventure comes joy. Yeah. And I think with joy comes hope. I think these things come as a package. Mm. And so, uh, so how does it happen? I, I think it happens when we learn that God is trustworthy because he is our hope. So when we trust at deeper levels, hope is a byproduct of trust. Mm-hmm. And I can say that because God has been so faithful to me. He has proven himself trustworthy. Yeah. And that doesn't mean every day I understood what he was doing. <laughs> doesn't mean that. But, right. but as I look at him, I go, you know what? God is trustworthy. His track record in my life and, and in Scripture, I, I can trust him. And from that, hope is a natural byproduct. Mm. So I have joy. I'm excited about tomorrow. Um, and hope is all a part of that. Yeah. But, but also wrapped up in that is adventure. Following Jesus is an amazing adventure. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. And that kind of fits even with your time in Israel. That's an adventure. Yeah. You don't always know what's going to happen. That's right. There's new things to observe. That's and right. when you have things all planned out, it rarely goes that way, does it? Nope. Nope. And, and God typically stretches us, in my experience, beyond what we feel like he should have. Beyond the breaking point that Beyond. we have. Yeah. And then he shows up and then, and then you just write back to why did I ever doubt, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe the last thing I would just share is, you know, our time in China was so amazing. And it was uh, so vibrant. We didn't want to leave, but we came home um, because God made it clear that it was time for us to come home, mm-hmm. you know? And I had a job there for four years and my Chinese boss said, hey, the job ends November 30th. That was in September. I had six weeks. And three weeks later, without telling anybody, I get a call from a church in Orlando saying, come, uh, we want you to, to be the central campus pastor, and the job starts December 1st. Like, so, and God just has done that so many times for me mm-hmm. that when I'm in the midst of a dark darkness, I don't lose my hope anymore okay. because I trust him. Mm-hmm. And I'll walk in the dark for a period of time trusting him because I know he's going to lead me through it. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your heart, <clears throat> your story, your passion, and giving us a message of hope. I really appreciate it. Thanks for letting me share it, and thanks for the incredible impact you've had in my life. It's been my pleasure, and yeah. it's mutual. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, I'm John Smith. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Kingdom Real. Hope to see you again real soon on the next one. God bless. God bless.